It's easy to be a peacemaker when you're not at war. But what do you do when the missiles start flying and the bombs start dropping? When conflict looks inevitable, do you take up arms or do you seek peace, even at a cost? I think for most of us, our first reaction is to grab a weapon and stand and fight. Maybe the weapon is words, maybe it's power, maybe it's even scripture. What's often harder is peace, figuring out compromise, taking ownership for the part of the war that's ours, seeking and giving forgiveness, pursuing reconciliation, and living alongside those who are different than us. That's the hard work. You can't seek a peace treaty with a gun in your hand. Give peace a chance. Greetings to all of you here at Central Campus and also those of you who are tuning in from one of our various regionals here in the city and also those of you uh, who are joining us online in the Calgary area and also different parts of the world. So I'm wondering how many of you enjoy conflict? Can I see how many of you enjoy conflict? Believe it or not, actually last night there was a person who raised his hand and uh, so we had security rush him off to see a counselor really quick. Um, also recommended a few other churches that he might prefer over ours. Uh, but seriously, I can't imagine anyone enjoying conflict. Conflicts are tough. Just the thought of having a serious conflict with someone often leads us to having anxiety and fear and, and frustration in our lives. And, and yet the, 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 the reality is conflict is inevitable. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. And it's not a far stretch to say that in this world, we will have, have our share of conflict. I love the story of the mother who was working in her kitchen, and she hears her son playing in the family room with his electric train set. The train stops, and her son says, Okay, all you turkeys who want off, stop your loitering and collect your junk and get your tails off the train right now. And all of you morons who want on, you get your butts on the train right now because we're leaving. Well, mom can't believe what she's just heard, and so she stomps into the living room and she says, Young man, we don't act rude in this house. Now go to your room and think about your attitude and the way that you're uh, talking to your passengers. In an hour, you can come back out here and you can play with your train as long as you are polite to your passengers. Well, he dutifully goes to his room. An hour later, his mother's still working in the kitchen. He comes out of his room and makes his way to his train set and starts playing. The train stops again and she hears him say in very polite tones, all passengers who are disembarking the train, please remember to take all of your belongings. We thank you for riding with us today and hope that your trip was a pleasant one. For those of you who are just boarding, we ask that you store your hand luggage under the seat and we hope that you enjoy your trip. 
For those of you who are ticked off about the hour delay, please see the grumpy old nag in the kitchen. <laughs> Have a great day. <laughs> the reality is peace is elusive in our homes and it's uh, elusive in every level of our society. Since the beginning of recorded history, the entire world has been at peace less than 8% of the time. Even in countries like ours, which is often considered to be a peaceful country, we know people who are at war with one another on our freeways, at our, uh, at our workplaces, and in our homes. We all long for peace, but despite our longings and man's best efforts to bring peace, there is no peace on earth. So let me ask you, are you at peace with others in your life? Is there anyone that you're avoiding? Is there anyone that you're giving the silent treatment to? Anyone you're really upset with as you think about them? Are you talking to others about someone just to gain their support? Get them on your side. Anyone you wish that would just disappear? Back in 1983, Psychology Today posed the question on a survey, if you could push a button and thereby eliminate any person with no repercussions to yourself, would you do it? 60% of the respondents said yes. Yikes, that is frightening. Conflict isn't just something that's happening out there between nations. It is something that happens right where we live and explains why there's so little peace in our lives. And friends, that's why Jesus came. 750 years uh, before Jesus arrived on this planet, the prophet Isaiah said Jesus would be called the Prince of Peace. Jesus came to change the world by changing us and then changing the world through us. Now in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is giving a description of those who are subjects or citizens of the kingdom of God or those whose hearts and lives have been radically transformed by his love and his grace. And in verse 9 he says, people in his kingdom who are his spiritual children are peacemakers. He said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. So what is a peacemaker? Well, first of all, a peacemaker has peace with God. God is the source of, uh, of peace, the author of peace, the foundation of peace, the giver of peace. Therefore, no one can be a peacemaker until they have found peace with God themselves. Jesus came to make that possible. In Colossians 1.19, it says, For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself all things by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Christ saw our need for redemption. He refused to ignore it or to sweep it under the carpet. Rather, out of love for us, he made a, a way possible for us to um, uh, make our peace with God and also to know the peace of God each and every day of our lives. When we put our trust in Jesus, God invades our life. He gives us a new heart and he begins to live 
the life of Jesus and the character of Jesus through us. He begins to transform us from being stone throwers and troublemakers into peacemakers. When the peacemaker makes her peace with God, she receives a new heart. And she sees herself in a totally new way. She has a humble heart. A poor in spirit heart. A heart that mourns, is broken over her own sin. And because of this, the peacemaker no longer sees herself as the center of the universe. She's not touchy or sensitive or undefensive. She does not always have to be right or to be seen as the best. She has totally surrendered her life to her new king, Jesus. Whereas before her mission was to bring glory to herself, now her consuming passion is to bring glory to God in all that she does. Peacemakers have an eternal perspective on everything. They regularly ask, in, in light of eternity, how should I deal with this conflict that I find myself in? You see, stone throwers, on the other hand, are short-sighted and therefore temperamental in the way they deal with conflict. Someone hurts them and, and they strike back or, or, or they just leave. I'm reminded of the story of the fellow who was marooned on an island and he lived there alone for several years until finally a search party found him and when the rescue boat arrived, the, the captain noticed that there were three huts on this little island and so he said to the fellow, he said, you know, what are these three huts all about? Oh, said the fellow, the hut on the left, he says, that's where I lived. He says, and the hut next to it is the church I attend. He says, oh, okay. He says, well, what's the third hut? He says, well, it's the church I used to attend. <laughs> church I used to attend. The peacemaker has a pure heart, has a heart of integrity. He's honest through and through. He will not stir things up or, or throw fuel on the fly, fire by slandering others or adding juicy gossip telling a lie or stretching or distorting the truth for his own benefit. You see, friends, the reason that there's so much relational conflict going on in our world is because fundamentally there's just way too much pride going on in our hearts. We're still too much in love with ourselves, wanting to have our own way. In James chapter 4, the apostle James asked, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? The word desires in this verse come from the Greek word from which we get the word hedonism, which means to have this overwhelming strong desire to satisfy myself, to crave what I want. Relational breakdown is always the result of pride and self-centeredness on the part of one or both parties. And James goes on to warn us about this in verse 6. He says, Remember, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And then he says this, he says, submit yourselves then to God. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. James says you, you don't have the power to be a peacemaker by yourself. You can't give what you don't have. You can't love like Jesus or extend God's peace to others if you don't have the love and the peace of Jesus within you. 
However, when Jesus is given permission to invade your life, he will change your heart. He will change your attitude. He'll change everything in your life and transform you from the inside out by living his life, his character, his peace and joy through you. The peacemaker is able to be a peacemaker because he has peace with God. Furthermore, the peacemaker actively pursues reconciliation. I want you to notice that Jesus says here, blessed are the peacemakers. He doesn't say, blessed are the peacekeepers. Peacekeepers often attempt to keep peace at any cost. And those costs can be great in some situations. A peacemaker is not necessarily an easygoing person. Who, who does not care what anybody else, what anybody else does, uh, you know, as long as it doesn't affect him. That is not a peacemaker. Gerald Mann tells a story of a judge who was about to sentence a man named Jeff. And Jeff was a, a, a fellow that he actually knew uh, as a child when they were growing up together. And Jeff had never lived more than six months of his adult life without committing a crime and being in trouble with the law. Before sentencing him, the judge, his old friend, looked him in the eye and he said, Jeff, does your conscience ever bother you? Have you ever thought of what God thinks of your actions? And Jeff responded saying, sure I have. I've always been at peace with God. He don't bother me and I don't bother him. That is a popular notion today of what peace is, leaving each other alone, the absence of conflict. But that is not the kind of peace that Jesus is referring to here. No, a peacemaker is one who is content, who is not content to gloss over the issues and act as if everything is okay when it is not. We play this game in our homes from time to time. You know, it's, you've, you've all experienced it. It's this uneasy, fake peace in which we kind of just mind our own business and we don't talk because we know that if we open our mouth, World War III will break out. The peacemaker won't pretend everything is okay when it isn't. In fact, the prophet Ezekiel warned against those who say there is peace when there is no peace. A peacemaker is honest. A peacemaker is forthright about where things are at in his own life and in his relationships. And he's willing to admit where he failed the relationship. Here in the seventh beatitude, the word Jesus uses for peace has the same essential meaning as the Hebrew word shalom. Shalom does not simply mean the absence of conflict or the ceasing of hostilities, or leaving each other alone. Shalom means the presence of that which is good and productive, constructive, and positive. When a Jew says shalom to you, he's not just saying, I hope you don't have any problems or hope you don't have you know, another war. He's saying, I hope you have prosperity and a good life. Shalom is an active word. It implies taking action, taking initiative taking risks if necessary. You see, peace doesn't just happen. Jesus is calling us to do more than just keep the peace. 
He's calling us to be makers of peace, to pursue wholeness, to pursue well-being. Hebrews 12 verse 14 says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. In 1 Peter 3.11, the Apostle Peter challenges us to seek peace and to pursue it. To pursue peace means to aggressively and lovingly go after reconciliation and peace. The peacemaker doesn't just encourage a couple to stop fighting. No, he becomes willing to help them get to the bottom of their problem and to help them to start on the right track. And, And if he can't help them, to direct them to someone who can. The peacemaker will not repeat things or share things that she knows will cause more hurt, that will cause more dirt or greater division. Rather, in the spirit of Matthew 18, the peacemaker will go to the person who has hurt us directly and not talk to others about it. In fact, peacemakers make amends for the hurt that they've caused others. In Matthew 5.23, it says, Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. When we do this, we are pursuing peace. We're chasing after peace. The Bible places high priority in getting things right in our relationships. Romans 12, 18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We are to take action. We're to do what we can to make amends with others. If a person laughs at us, if a person tells us to go take a hike, we're not responsible for how they respond to our attempt to make amends. We're only responsible to do our part in trying to make amends. When you make amends, do so privately with that individual. Do so with gentleness and with humility. Do so with no expectations from the other person. Apologize to them the way that you would want them to apologize to you with no excuses or justifications. Just humbly acknowledge your part in the problem. Assume whatever responsibility belongs to you. And then just a word of caution about making amends. In some situations, to apologize would be unwise. When to do so would harm the other person more than help the person. And it's a judgment call that you make. For example, going back to an old boyfriend or an old girlfriend who is now married or in a very serious relationship may cause more harm than good. If you're in doubt... It's important that you get the counsel of a godly, trusted friend. And if after consulting that person, you're still in doubt or things aren't clear, my recommendation is that you don't. God knows your heart. He knows your intent. And rather, you just confess it to him and you leave it with him. Friends, the the peacemaker, uh, I'm sorry, the peacekeeper may mind his own business, but not the peacemaker. The peacemaker knows that pursuing reconciliation is his business and that God will honor his faithfulness in this. In the 5th century, the monk Telemachus uh, tried to devote himself to God by living by himself 
in the desert. And over time, he decided that he couldn't serve God without serving other people. And so he abandoned his life of solitude and he traveled to the city of Rome. And he arrived just in time to watch a victory celebration of gladiators who were being forced to battle one another to the death. Ironically, Rome considered itself a Christian city at that time. But the churches emptied to see this bloody spectacle. When Telemachus saw the crowd of over 80,000 roaring for blood, he was horrified. And he jumped into the arena. And he stood between the two gladiators, begging them to stop the bloodshed. The spectators were so angry over the delay of their entertainment that history tells us that they stoned Telemachus to death. Three days later, the emperor declared him to be a martyr and did away with the gladiatorial contests for good. Telemachus was a faithful peacemaker. He was faithful to what God had called him to do. The question is, where do we need to exercise courage? Where do we need to bring peace? The peacemaker has peace with God and actively pursues reconciliation. Thirdly, the peacemaker seeks to help people be reconciled with God. In John 3.16 it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Because of his great love for us, God through Christ, as we talked about a moment ago, made a way possible for us to be reconciled with our Heavenly Father and to be at peace with God. And friends, we know we are children of God when we seek to help people be reconciled with our Heavenly Father. It was the supreme reason that Jesus came to earth. Everywhere he went, he spent time with people, people from all walks of life, he fed the hungry. He healed the sick. He delivered those who were in bondage. As the ultimate peacemaker, he spent time with those normally excluded. The prostitutes, the thieves, the drunkards, the despised tax collectors. And people from other nations and other religions. He spent time with them. He didn't criticize them from a distance. He spent time with them. And through the religious, and even though the religious leaders criticize his actions and questions his motives, he focused on those who needed redemption. Friends, there is no greater mark of a peacemaker than introducing others to Jesus. We are peacemakers when we build homes for the homeless. We are peacemakers when we provide medical care to those who need it. We are peacemakers when we make shoeboxes to bless underprivileged children and tell them about our love for Jesus. We are peacemakers when we walk across the street and we bless our neighbors with a pie. We are peacemakers when we invite them into our home for, for, for Christmas dinner and a fun time together. We are peacemakers when we daily listen for the Spirit's whisper to speak to that person 
that crosses our path or to help that person that the Spirit prompts us to. We are peacemakers when instead of closing our drapes and turning off our lights on Halloween night, we turn on our lights. We set up our chairs in our front driveway and we serve hot chocolate to all of our neighbors. You know, I still remember being asked to do a funeral of a young man who was married less than a year. And his wife was just devastated by all of this, understandably so. But the bigger part of her devastation was she wasn't sure where her husband was in terms of eternity. Over and over again, tears streaming down her face, she, she grabbed onto my arm and she said, is he okay? Is he okay? She knew a lot about him. But she didn't know where he stood with God before he died. And she was inconsolable. People ask me, you know, why are you so passionate about sharing Jesus with others? Why is that something you're always talking about? And I'll tell them about the times that I have stood at the graveside of someone like this young man. And I have felt the despair and the hopelessness in the lives of their loved ones. And knowing it doesn't have to end this way. Because Jesus lives, darkness and hopelessness and despair doesn't need to win in the end. And it won't if God's people give their lives to peacemaking. I ask you, what are you giving your life to? What are you living for? I can't think of a greater cause to give my life to. I can't think of anything more exciting and fulfilling than to come to the end of my life and realize that because I was a faithful peacemaker with those that God brought into my life, that there are people on their way to heaven for eternity. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. So what did Jesus mean when he said we will be called the children of God? Or in some of your translations, it's the sons of God. Is this saying that if we make peace with others? Is this saying that if, if, if we share Jesus with others, that we become the children of God? That, that we are eternally saved now by being peacemakers? Not at all. John chapter 1 verse 12 tells us how we become children of God. It reads this way, Yet to all who received him, referring to Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Have you received him? Have you embraced him by faith? Do you live and trust him daily? Then you are his child. Galatians 3.26 says, In Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. In other words, we become children of God by trusting in Christ for our forgiveness and our hope. What Jesus is saying here in the seventh beatitude is that those of us who have truly become sons or children of God by faith in Jesus Christ, we will 
be peacemakers. We will reflect the character of our Heavenly Father. Not perfectly, of course, but there will be a family resemblance. Just like in the physical realm, there's so often a resemblance between, in a, in a family, between the parents and the children. In the spiritual realm, we act as God acts when we are peacemakers. We do what God does. We grieve over what grieves the heart of God. His mission is our mission. It is in this sense that being a peacemaker is not an option for those of us who are Christ's followers. For you see, if by the Spirit of God, it, I'm sorry, it, it is by the Spirit of God that we are made children of God. And the Spirit of God is the Spirit of peace. If we are not peacemakers, then we don't have the Spirit of Christ in us. If we are largely stone throwers, if our lives are largely characterized as being troublemakers in our character, we constantly are in this process of spreading rumors and gossip about others. We're hypercritical and, uh, and fault-finding, and, and we're mean, and we're unwilling to be involved in peacemaking. And friends, we need to take a day off. We need to pull the scriptures out and sit before God, and we need to repent. Our Lord calls us to be active peacemakers. When there are misunderstandings and conflicts and quarrels, and there always will be, the question is, how will you respond? Will you be a peacemaker or a stone thrower? Will you be a peacemaker or a troublemaker? When it comes to conflicts, will you be in the construction business or will you be in the demolition business? You see, you're in a demolition business when you start avoiding the person who's the source of your frustration. You're in the demolition business when, when, when you find someone else to talk to about the problem first. Your co-workers, your friends and spouses, and you openly express how you feel with them and thereby get them siding with you on the issue rather than talking directly to the person in question. Jesus says peacemakers won't put up their dukes. They won't harden their hearts. They, they won't get embittered. They won't slander. They won't ignore the issue either. No, true followers of Christ are peacemakers. They are in the construction business. They have a spirit of reconciliation. May it be so to the glory of God and for the sake of a world who needs the Jesus that we know and love. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? You know, years ago when our boys were still living at home, on more than one occasion, they, they got into a fight with each other about something just before mealtime. And I could always tell that things weren't right between them when they came to the table because they looked gloomy. They weren't hungry. They didn't want to be there. They couldn't look anyone in the eye. The last thing they wanted to do was to pray for the meal 
or to have family devotions. You know, that's what happens to us when all is not well within us or between us or between us and God. In the same way, when we gather around the Lord's table, which we're going to do in a moment, and we know that things aren't right in our relationship with the Lord or with someone else, it's really hard to genuinely give thanks to Jesus for his great sacrifice. It's hard to partake of the bread that reminds us of his broken body. Broken for us. Or the cup that reminds us of his lifeblood shed for us. And pretend that all is well within. The Lord's table actually is a reminder not only to give thanks to the Lord for all that he has done but also to remind us of our need to be right in our relationship with him and with others. God's word tells us that we're to examine ourselves. And so before we take of the Lord's Supper, I want us to take a few moments right now and ask the Lord to examine our hearts. Am I a peacemaker at heart? Is there a conflict that, that needs resolving? Am I at odds with someone? A friend, a classmate, a spouse, a child, a parent, an employer, an employee. In Luke chapter 22 we read, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Our Heavenly Father, we just praise you today because you are all-powerful, all-knowing. You are everywhere present. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness, your mercy, your grace, and for saving us from our sins and loving us despite our failures and sin. Lord, we long to be in close relationship with you, and so we ask that you would forgive us for those times that we've gone our own way rather than your way, those times that we've not involved you in our day, those times we've taken you and your grace and your presence for granted, those times we've been troublemakers, we've been stone throwers rather than peacemakers. Cleanse us of sin, O Lord, and renew us by your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and magnify your holy name. Bless and sanctify with your word and spirit these gifts of bread and the fruit of the vine that we receiving them, Lord, may be partakers of the divine nature through Jesus Christ our Lord who taught us when we pray to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.